1: Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome to another episode of Dunzo. It is me, Troy McKeady. And... I had to pull out the big guns for today's episode. This is a kind of a big deal. This is something I've wanted to do for a while now. And I've been seeing some things on TikTok that have me very, very irritated. And I was like, you know what? I need to talk about this with somebody who I know will be on the same level, who will understand all the things. I need a shorthand. I need swaddled. I need supported. And who better than Ms. Dara Sussman to do that with Dara, how are you?
0: I am so great. How are you Troy?
1: I'm better now. I'm actually really excited (laughs) to do this. I'm not gonna lie.
0: I'm really excited too actually because Lindsay Lohan was in some ways my number one of the era but I feel like it was mostly because um, not of how because of how much I liked her personality necessarily but Mm -hmm. just her vibe. Nicole Richie truly was my number one spiritually.
1: So one interesting thing that I've discovered over the last, like, I guess, few months of being in bed and on TikTok every night is that in this sort of resurgence of early 2000s nostalgia and discovering the early 2000s for, like, for, like, Gen Z, they don't know who Nicole Richie is. And that was something that really struck me that, you know, she's been sort of erased. And it's, it's honestly unimaginable to me.
0: It's unimaginable. And I, when you asked me to do this, this episode, and you teed it up that way, I really didn't have any full idea that the kids didn't really put the respect on Nicole's name that she deserves, not because of any deficit in what, they should or shouldn't know i don't blame them but i just assume that my knowledge of the time period is everyone else's knowledge because i'm surprised what they do know so mm. this one is surprising to me that they don't know her because she they know so much about paris and to me i don't really understand how paris can be kind of at the forefront i would say even more so than Lindsay. um yeah where Paris can be so far in the front and it's like
1: Nicole's a footnote in Paris's story. You know, I have theories about that and we can get deeper into it because of course we're going to talk about the Paris of it all and the rebranding of Paris um, versus Nicole. But I think just in my head, it has something to do with the fact that Paris is just like a big cartoon. Yeah, yeah. And it's been easy for her to kind of like, I guess, rebrand, repackage, whatever you want to call it. So there's a fifty-one fifty going by. Um, (laughs) It's been easy for Paris to kind of like repackage herself as this like, in quotes, newer thing, when in reality she's just like a heightened version of what she's always been.
0: Yeah, and I think the cartoonishness really, really plays a big part because the era of Nicole where she kind of had that look I wouldn't say it was necessarily cartoonish but it was at least tacky and very of the era Mm
2: -hmm. that
0: lasted for a very very short time
1: Mm.
0: I mean it really only it only lasts until Rachel Zoe gets her spindly little fingers on her (laughs) right (laughs) so it's been such a long time since Nicole has at least looked like a caricature of the early 2000s. So I can see where when people look her up, they're just like, I don't know. She's like a pretty
1: and normal looking person. Great. That is like, honestly, probably the biggest point we can make. Cause I didn't really think about that, but you're right. You kind of had to go through, I think to really feel the Nicole of it all, you had to go through the the Nicole journey. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas like with Paris, I don't really think you needed, I mean, Paris, like I said, is like a version of the same person she's been for 20 years. Whereas like, if you were a part of the Nicole journey, especially during a time where Paris had hijacked beauty standards and you had to be emaciated to be considered like worthy, you know, to have her standing next to Nicole, like it really made a lot of people, I think, feel seen. Like, yes. Nicole had such a big impact on like millennial youth self-esteem, confident, confidence, like the possibilities of the kind of person that you could be, you know?
0: I completely agree. And I feel like the Gen Z kids are going to um, start Googling Nicole Richie pictures and be like, what is he talking about? This woman <laughs> is 90 pounds. And yes, yes, that is true. At a certain time but when she was first on the simple life
2: Mm
0: -hmm. i and she was um just out of rehab so she was just off of heroin and and all this stuff that was making her thin for a while and then Mm -hmm. she went off of it right before she goes on the simple life and she gains all of this weight she still is thin and looks completely normal like i wouldn't even call her overweight but she is just larger than we ever see her after that point. Right. But seeing her on that show, it truly was for me. I um really identified with her because I was always um you know the funny short chubby kid next to the beautiful girl who is like nice enough and we laugh together, but everyone gives her attention even though I hate to say it. I'm the more interesting
1: one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, like that's true tea. I get it.
0: So, and I mean, I, I, my head is just spider webbing on ideas right now. Like I could take this in any direction because there's just, there's so much to say about Nicole and where she fits into the Y2K lexicon that, I don't even know it again. Know.
1: Well, let's start with the fact that I think to truly understand Nicole Ritchie, you do have to know a little bit about her background and, and um, how she grew up.
0: The most interesting <laughs> background of all time. It's incredible.
1: <laughs> like maybe in history, like she really is like a renegade. Like I put in my notes, I describe her in my notes as a renegade teenager, but yes. it's like she's Um, when I did an episode on her a million years ago, I called her wealthy feral (laughs) because it's like, she was raised feral, but like with money.
0: Well, so the, the story is interesting from day one of Nicole being alive, truly. Right. Um, I, I can't believe she's not more of an icon that we don't hear about this as much, but she was born to like what it was like a roadie and like a right. groupie
1: yeah <laughs> she's literally like the daughter of like dirty diana
0: <laughs> yes absolutely and so okay here's the other thing is i have in front of me um nicole's memoir mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the weirdest memoir of all time yes Uh, And she gets into the whole thing, but it's, like, pretty bleak, her, like, the first three years of her life. She's, like, kind of growing up, poised to be, like, a poor Drew Barrymore, and Mm. then Lionel Richie swoops in and makes her a Barrymore Drew Barrymore.
1: Yeah, and then all of a sudden, she just, like, has access to all of this. Not only, like, I won't even start with, like, the, the wealth. I really do think she was, like, loved,
0: I think so too and the way she talks about her parents in the book you really get that sense and I, I I believe they do also because so they discover Nicole when she's three years old because I believe it's Lionel's on tour and I I guess her mom was like following some of the people in the band or something, like just fucking them essentially. Right. And, oh no, it was at, okay, so Nicole is in Paris with her mother. She's three years old. She's backstage at a Prince concert and Lionel and his wife are in the audience, like in the VIP area, they're friends with Prince. And Prince sees Nicole backstage and invites her on stage and hands her a tambourine. And Nicole just makes a show out of it. Jesus. And she apparently, like, all accounts for, like, she was this really precocious, full of personality, little toddler that was just undeniably adorable and nice to be around, despite her traumatic upbringing. Yeah. But they see her, and they're like, who is this little star? She's so cute. Then they go out to dinner after and I think something happens where the her parents either her dad or her mom they're not together kind of just like leave her backstage and Lionel's wife takes her and brings her up to dinner and Nicole is just like cuddling her the entire night like in a way that suggests she was not getting a lot of Loving human contact with her mm, own mother,
1: yeah,
0: and the sh- the mom just talked to Lionel and was like we we have to like protect this kid, we have to keep her and he went to her mom and was like, Listen, you know we could take her for a little bit if if it's too much for you right now, and she was like, Oh yeah, sure, and they took her for three months, and the mom was just like, Yeah, you know what? this feels pretty good, keep her."
1: like what in god's and she's always had such a good attitude about it
0: yes she has never shown any sort of animosity towards her biological parents i mean of course what she shows the public but right she she's always had a very upbeat attitude about it
1: right like you said if even if it is just sort of the way that she f- presents it to the public it's a. Uh, she, it could have gone so many different ways and I remember being young and just being really like blown away by how comfortable she was with her circumstance and the way she would joke about it and stuff
0: yeah she it, it really is I think uh a reason why she's such a comedian in her own right I believe mm. Lionel once said if she hadn't kind of gone off the deep end uh and and then subsequently go into Simple Life and everything, he was saying, you know, she could have been a comedy writer. Like, she's always been this funny. She's very, very smart. Um, And that she could have gone that way had she not fallen into the partying.
1: That's the thing about Nicole, is that it's not just that she's charming or that she's funny. It's that, like, she's funny on a level that is, like, it's like, she's professionally funny.
0: She is professionally funny. And I think that really comes from having this horrible first three years of her life. And then even, you know, even though she was introduced to the lapse of luxury, it she still was taking on the trauma of being abandoned by her biological parents and also the absolute shit show that lionel and his wife were where he's cheating on Mm. her all the time so she has all this trauma but she really utilized it in a way that I feel like comes from a lot of comedy writers of taking pain and turning it into something amusing and dealing with it that way I feel like that's where she always came from
1: I agree with that 1000%. And we did mention that she was definitely very much loved by her family. And, but like you said, there was a lot of trauma and crazy shit going on in her house. And, you know, the interesting thing about Nicole is that she was raised with no rules. She literally, like, you know, you meet these like kids or you see kids on TV that are like, I have no rules. Like I'm not disciplined. Like Nicole literally, had never been told no. Like, ever.
0: Because they felt so bad. Right. Of, about her, where she came from, and that she couldn't handle being told no. Like, she's already been through enough. Right. Such 80s parenting.
1: <laughs> I know. It's so, like, like oh, it's just, like, such television. Yeah, like, 80s, like, uh, like, sitcom parenting, almost. and like,
0: 80s? rich person sitcom just like oh nicole she she uh you know accidentally set fire to the basquiat (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: nicole where's my car
0: nicole where's the mercedes (laughs) oh dad
1: (laughs) (laughs) like for nicole and it you know it created this like She's really like an amalgamation of like all of these different things. And like that part of her personality is so much the reason that she became Nicole Richie because she had this very like fiery, I'm literally afraid of nobody personality. Yes.
0: That is the truest thing is a true fearlessness. Um, and not, it, despite being such a tiny person, you know, she's five feet tall. She is fearless. She will get in anybody's face. It's a shock that she's never been just like punched before.
1: (laughs) Right. I know.
0: She's such a prankster. Like in the early years of the simple life, she is so funny, but she's also such a freaking brat.
1: Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. There's a sort of Dennis the Menace quality to Nicole
0: that is exactly it that is exactly it
1: she's got like a Kevin McAllister kind of gig going on where it's like she is mischievous in a way that's like like really funny and endearing and makes you want to be mischievous with her and I think that is to me the most endearing thing about her is that she makes you want to like she's one of those people that just like makes you want to be her friend. You want to like get into hijinks with her. You want to laugh with her. You want to shop with her and be drunk with her. And, you know, if she's doing something bad, like you want to do it with her. She's very enticing.
0: Very enticing and electric. Like Mm. I imagine when you get into hijinks with her, it feels like anything's possible. (laughs) We're, we're in, an eighties movie, like getting into shit, like a teen teen flick of, ooh, we're stealing dad's car. We're, we're going full Ferris Bueller. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is something very drop top convertible about it, right? Like, yes. <laughs> where you're just like oh. screaming with your hands in the air and like scarves blow, like Dior scars blowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I do want to see so you brought up the simple life, which is a great transition. I want to, Now that we've kind of discussed like uh, Nicole's insane upbringing and the fact that she was like hopping, you know, 40 foot gates with spikes at the top to go to clubs as a teenager. um, Let's talk about the heroine of it all and Mm -hmm. the first season of The Simple Life. Wow. So
0: yeah, the heroine of it all, it's so shocking when you realize how she just went from Rehab for heroin. I mean, mm-hmm. she was le- legit doing heroin, not just like, oh, I took uh, an oxy too many times. It's like, no, no, no. She was shooting up heroin. Right. Really serious stuff. Goes to rehab for a month, on, which was contingent on her going to film The sim- Simple Life. They told her, you have to do this or you can't do it or you can't do the show. She goes, she comes back and goes smack into filming a TV show, which is also bonkers. Right. To me, but I guess, I don't know, maybe on some level, it was a good thing to take her out of rehab and then straight into a work environment.
1: Right. And for her, it's kind of like the best of both worlds because it's like she can get sober she's establishing some sort of you know career i guess if you want to call it that at the time who knew what it would be you know um but at the same time like they're partying still you know what i mean like she's yeah partying in altis they're not like she's not sober she's just not doing heroin
0: and that is such an interesting thing to me that i feel like we see a lot of um with these early 2000s people is they all had their drug addictions, but then it would be like, well, but I still drink and smoke weed and do everything else. It's just, (laughs) I just, I just had to get off the hard stuff. I mean, that was (laughs) like, speaking of Drew Barrymore, that's what she is. She, she went to rehab at like what, nine years old. (laughs) And then from then on, it was like, well, I don't do drugs, but she was drinking she is
1: now sober though right yeah it's an it's an interesting it's very like it's child star sober right it's like Mm -hmm.
0: there's california sober and then there's child star sober which is just like (laughs) staying away from heroin i think (laughs) coke is still fine
1: exactly as you so perfectly put it the quote hard stuff that's what they always say
0: (laughs) the hard stuff (laughs) but somehow coke is like um I only do that hard stuff like on Saturdays.
1: Right. That's for the weekend. During the week, week. I'm a business person.
0: Yeah. I feel like child star sober is, yeah, is just, well, I can drink every day of the week, but I only do Coke on Saturdays and Sundays and sometimes on Thursdays.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's like giving up on the idea that you won't have some vice, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, which one are you choosing?
0: Yes. It's like, I'm not going full out. I need to bring it back. A little bit so people, you know, don't get an impression of me, but I can right. still do it. I just have to control
1: it. Right, exactly. And Nicole is a very, you know, <laughs> from what we know of Nicole, just like in paparazzi videos, in footage of her being wasted from Paris's storage unit, Paris is, or Paris, Nicole is a fucking wild, like, She's the kind of girl that when she starts to get uh, drunk, when you start to feel her getting fucked up, people get like nervous. Yes. Like that tense sort of feeling fills up the room where everybody is like insanely aware of everything she's doing and they don't want her to turn it on them and they're afraid she'll get violent and, you know, cause she's just like the person who's like shattering stuff and screaming and starting fights and like, she's a real renegade. She reminds me,
0: actually, now that you say that, she reminds me a lot of Leah McSweeney. um, Mm. And not in, and I'm not a big Leah fan. Let me, let me put that on record. (laughs) Um, She does not have very, her, her takes on me too are scolding hot, but in a way that I'm like, Ooh, right. let's turn turn down that burner. (laughs) Mommy, not likey, (laughs) (laughs) but drinking wise, um, she feels like a very dangerous drunk to me, like someone that I would not be happy to be around when they're drunk. Mm-mm. But then she, Leah goes back to not drinking and you see that that's also still her personality. So she really can't have alcohol because <laughs> she's already with the level, level of inhibitions that most of us feel when, when we're drunk and she <laughs> is there sober. And I feel like that's Nicole. She is soberly at a drunk. So when she's drunk- <laughs> she's at like the level of the devil.
1: That's my housewife's tagline, by the way. <laughs> I'm soberly drunk, but when I'm drunk, I'm <laughs> at the level of the devil.
0: <laughs> if you ever get on Watch What Happens Live, please, please, when they ask you for your tagline, <gasps> you gotta give it to them.
1: Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's, and it definitely knowing that she just quit heroin and that she's like cold turkey you know trying to be sober or whatever from like the hard stuff it adds an entire layer of context to this television show it's crazy you
0: know another okay this just dawned on me it's so interesting that she was doing heroin a a downer to such a level like it's beyond just like, oh, I'm taking my mom's Valium. Mm -hmm. Like You're doing heroin. She must be at such a high level all the time, or at least when she was that age, where she had to bring herself down to earth. Like she was so wild in her brain that she had to bring herself down. Because in her book, she says like, yeah, my drug of choice was heroin and Paris was Coke. And Paris does feel like someone who needs like an upper to get some of that personality
1: going. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so true. And this is, so we should talk, let's like get into season one. Okay. I love this. Okay. I just sound very, cause I'm like, I've never talked about the simple life. Um, really. I mean, I have like during Paris episodes and stuff, but never really like gotten into it. And The reason that I wanted to break it down this way is because I personally, you and I talked about this before we started recording. There are extreme differences between seasons of The Simple Life. Yes. And you had mentioned earlier that there's some sort of production company change because the tone of the show shifts in such an extreme way. And at the very beginning of them filming the show, I mean, not only is this the very beginning of reality TV, These girls are unknown. So there's a sort of carefree um, vulnerability. I don't really give a shit about what I look like on camera. Yeah. You know, just this is who we are. And Paris always says that she's playing a character on The Simple Life and it's not who she is. And it's a character she created. I beg to differ. I think that- That
0: that is her.
1: It's her. I'm, I'm sorry, but like season one and two of The Simple Life, that is Paris Hilton.
0: That and I would actually if if this is um if this is us truly speaking to the younger generation, explaining who Nicole is, I would also I beg you all to go back to season one of The Simple Life and really watch it with a critical eye mm. and see like how Paris actually was because what we see today is the sanded down idea of who people think in hindsight she was but she was so much grittier than what she's like now
1: like she was you better fucking speak girl (laughs)
0: like here's another thing and I just want to put this out there as well watch it see how her personality is and also know that she was not the pretty pretty princess that she is today mm-hmm. she was you know she was best friends with nicole they were both wild they were both kind of mean
1: you know <laughs> yes and i think that you okay so you'll understand what i'm saying when i say this then because people often will ask me about my my thoughts on paris and there's just like a general frustration that i have with her um and i understand like you know it's fun to watch Paris make lasagna and shit like it's all fun like I get I understand like I'm not a complete curmudgeon I understand the appeal but the reason I get annoyed about it is because I prefer the real Paris I like season one and two simple life of or season one and two of Paris from the simple life I like gritty funny sarcastic you know like just down to like clown and have fun and laugh and Paris has a great. Paris actually has a really great personality. We just don't really get to see it. We hardly.
0: I, I don't think we see it at all. I think. Did you? Are you watching her? Um, her reality show. I can't. It is so bad, and it's why you know it's why she never really parlayed her success in a really sustainable way yeah. after the simple life because she did other reality shows and they're much closer to this current one where she is really trying to hone a brand and a facade. Mm -hmm. And I honestly don't know when that split happened, where she went from, I mean, maybe it was just from being famous and that started to wear on her or something, but she truly like zipped it all up And now you just barely see little glimmers of her even having fun. Like she's just so, um, just such a blank slate now.
1: That's why I find it so odd that people have taken to this Paris versus who she used to be. Like, this is the Paris that we've chosen to respect and give television shows to and really want to watch. I just think that's so odd. I'm like, this, like you said, this is a sanded down, watered down, very sort of neutered version of her that is just so, she gives you nothing.
0: She gives you nothing. And I do think, though, I don't think we chose this Paris. I think she, in a, a very savvy-ish way, um, presented this part of herself and really, um, dug her claws into the post me to let's revisit all mm. of these women um, and you know get my apology from Sarah Silverman mm-hmm. for making fun of me on the MTV Awards. But realistically, if she didn't do that, there would be all of these things that could come out about her that she that are really bad that would get her canceled.
1: Well, that's the other thing is that she's only a blink away.
0: Only a blink away.
1: She's always only just one, you know, very public video away. Because the thing about Paris's indiscrepancies, if you want to call them that, is that they're all so accessible.
0: That's what I don't understand is how accessible they are and how it has not touched a single person outside of people like us who remember it from the time period
1: yeah well that and when you tell people they're not interested like Paris is my favorite example of when people say like who do you think should be canceled that isn't it's Paris but she's not going to be canceled because people don't feel like dealing with it there are certain people that just don't feel like dealing with it
0: it's funny too I was thinking about her the other day and I was thinking how of all the the way we're talking about women, these women now, Brittany, Anna Nicole, and uh, Amy Winehouse, revisiting these women and saying like, oh my god, these were s- sick people who needed help and mm-hmm. needed compassion. I would even put Lindsay Lohan in there. Mm-hmm. And they're really giving it to Paris in the same way. And I do understand the Um, Provo school of it all Mm -hmm. however the way that we looked at Paris back then she didn't necessarily deserve much better treatment like she still was someone who was walking around saying the n-word and the f-slur and like a kind of pretty mean person who was who was Drunk driving, and like they show the kids have been putting out the David Letterman interview where he's kind of needling her. And it's like, well, I don't know that he's really treating her that unfairly because that's how he treats all of his guests. And they put her on that show right before she went to jail, kind of knowing what he would do
1: on purpose.
0: That was on purpose
1: the point. Like, you would go on that show. You would go on all of the late night shows purposely for that sort of electric, anything goes, you know, what's going to happen kind of thing. Like that was, are they going to be able to volley it back and forth? You know, and like the way that you earned like respect as a late night guest was if you could hit it back. Like that was the point of going on a late night show. Um, It wasn't always like politically correct, but it was just the nature of that medium for like, you know, 50 years, Uh, and that's completely taken out of context, because Jimmy Fallon is, like, coloring with people on his show, so, you know, there's no context, and, you know, the other interesting thing about Paris that I love bringing up is that not only- is are there like not only are there videos and clips and and photos of her doing nazis uh some like symbols and like yeah. fucking saying the n-word like crazy and how much she hates gay people and that they're all gonna get aids and they all they're all disgusting and horny and they're gross and you know like the n-word some guy tried to touch her how disgusting there's that but then there's also other people like in the industry being like like people like Misha Barton being like, I don't talk. I'm not friends with her because she's a racist. And she says <laughs> the N-word so much. And fucking Brendan Davis. When you have Brendan Davis saying that she's too racist yeah. for me to hang out with, that's a real fucking red flag.
0: And I I really feel like in 2021 to 2022, or beginning in 2020. I guess we were all just you know stuck in our houses and desperate for, for a goddess to lift us out of our misery. right but, but all of a sudden we were presented with both Paris and Kathy. and I think Kathy especially is trying to really turn on the Chris Kardashian and she is it's absolutely working and she mm. is snowing us.
1: I know she, (sighs) it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating watching people fall for it. And like the Kathy Hilton of it all, Kathy pretend, first of all, this is a woman who has been on like nine other reality shows. So please do not let this woman fool you into thinking that she had to be pulled by her wrist out of the fucking Versailles mansion to do a reality show. Kathy Hilton has wanted to be famous on like a stage mom level for like more than a decade and this whole like ditzy airheaded i don't know what's going on i'm just a silly fun sweet person who says silly things it's all bullshit
0: it's complete bullshit and here's the other thing is yes kim and kyle were child stars kathy tried to be a child star it never worked for her exactly and she pivoted to being um like a a trophy wife Mm -hmm. and then so okay on top of that the way they're sort of she's presenting um paris's provo school abusive school situation Mm -hmm. of Oh, I had no idea. I had no idea. Oh, um, my mom was so strict. She never let me do anything. And that's why I rebelled. I, I haven't on many accounts that that is bullshit, that it was not Paris moving to New York. And then she went crazy um, because she was just in proximity to nightlife. She was always a troublemaker. And Kathy was a very negligent mother. hmm there are multiple accounts that she's completely negligent which by the way you move your kids into a hotel for no reason but that does not sound like great parenting to me exactly like but in the book house of hilton which kind of um this by a journalist and he goes through the entire family tree of the hiltons like back to the turn of the century and he goes through all the different members of the family he talks about uh, her mother called Big Kathy (laughs) but one of the quotes in it is from this woman who's I believe like a cousin of Kathy she was in Kathy's wedding and she talks about how her mom Big Kathy would say oh Kathy is you know she's a great businesswoman she's smart she's determined but she's a terrible mother she only like she she was a very absent mother until the girls started getting famous and then and then she started to really care which to me completely checks out because it was Paris acting out and she just sent her away to boarding school
1: right exactly. she wasn't
0: she wasn't some hands-on mom that was like let's get her into therapy first she shipped her off first to her mother in Palm Springs when she was, like, 14. That didn't work. And then she started sending her, her to boarding schools.
1: Right, and, like, this idea that Paris was, like, locked up in the fucking Waldorf, like, you know, in the castle and, like, never allowed to go downstairs or see people, like, it's just absurd.
0: It's absurd. It never happened.
1: It's she all was, fake.
0: It's all fake. And also the idea that the way that she keeps talking about oh um I wasn't allowed to wear makeup I wasn't allowed to see boys I don't know if you guys have seen all the pictures of Paris when she was young and she's full of makeup and she's you know dressed pretty inappropriately for her age like I don't think any of this narrative that Kathy was just my biggest problem was that I cared too much and she rebelled against it exactly no she was a rich society bitch
1: she was like she was like a trump yeah hanging out with fucking edward furlong
0: exactly like
1: 16 i mean you know like it's and it's like if, if you guys were so strict then why was she dating rick solomon underage if you were so strict
0: exactly they were not at all and in Uh, in Nicole's book um, she talks about how uh, when they were like 11 or 12 um, they managed to I think it I think the story is like they managed to tell Paris's uncle or something that they were allowed to go to Las Vegas And he like had some business there. So he like flew them out with him and they go to Vegas and just like leave her uncle. They take a limo around town. They meet up with guys. And for like 24 hours, Nicole is missing. Her parents are freaking out. And then the police call eventually after they picked them up because they thought they were child prostitutes. (laughs) Um, oh my
1: god it
0: is it is nuts like there there's a little excerpt about it in an article from 2007 but in the book she goes into way more detail but so they call her parents they let her know where she is and according to nicole like paris paris's parents didn't even know she was gone
1: jesus i've got to read that book again i haven't read it since college
0: It is, it's wild because, okay, here's the other thing about the book, which is why I find it to be very interesting,
1: is it is
0: written as if it's fiction.
1: I know, that's so interesting, but it's, (laughs) but it's like exactly her life.
0: It is exactly her life. Um, She calls herself Chloe and Paris Simone. Simone, And there's a DJ AM character in there. There, I mean, it's interesting to read it and be like, who is each person? Um, But it is a very strange book. But it's great because she is able to be like, you all know who I'm talking about. And I am saying everything without repercussion because it's fiction.
1: One of my favorite things about the book is that she she says that Simone... Steals catchphrases and words, and then makes them her own because she's so like she has no personality of her own. So she steals people's personality and then makes it hers. I was like, that is so perfect.
0: It really is. I, I mean, listen, Paris. I'm happy that she is figuring out a way to rebrand herself or whatever. But I just don't like to see everyone get snowed by this new Paris and this new Kathy Hilton when it's all there, you guys. It's all there.
1: I know. Just do a little, please just, like, literally do the tiniest bit of research.
0: Before we make her our queen. Yeah. Because, you guys, please do not forget, this is a wealthy prep school, silver spoon in her mouth. White bitch, yeah, like let us not think that I know she had this trauma, these traumatic experiences, and I have the most compassion for her in the world, but let us not uh, absolve her of all of her sins because she
1: has trauma. She's literally Allison Williams and get out, yes, like that's Paris, like, yes she's not a good person and that's why i choose to reverting back to the season i i choose to live in this this is my paris like if i had to choose Mm -hmm. between watching paris cook lasagna with kim kardashian and talk about being a dj and a (laughs) visa i would rather i would rather watch her like make fucking sausages you know what i mean like that's this is my choice paris and you know, I just think that there's such a, I guess to revert it back to Nicole, in comparison to Paris during the season. So you have these two girls that are like, they don't, nobody knows what reality television is. They don't know what can come of this. So they're completely vulnerable on camera in a way that you would never see people be vulnerable on camera now, especially for a reality show. Uh, they're like barely doing their hair, they're legitimately like um, wearing like dirty clothes and shit every day. Like they're just hanging out like Paris on Paris and Nicole on camera during this season of the show specifically is insanity.
0: It's insanity. And the other thing on top of it is in that first season, and I don't think any other season matches up to the first, you agree. Um, but one of the reasons why I think that's, that is, is because they're not famous, famous yet. So no one is approaching them with any sort of starstruck
1: kid gloves. Yes.
0: Everyone's just like, "Who are these friggin' maniacs?
1: <laughs> are you that rich woman?
0: <laughs> are you that rich woman?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're completely right. Nobody gives a shit about who they are. They think that they're just like these freaks, and you know, it's like you said, they're not famous. And I think that that's the charm. Well, okay. This actually is not my favorite season and we'll get into that. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll talk, we'll talk, but
0: (laughs) we'll circle back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that they're not famous. And I love that, you know, it feels like Nicole is sort of, you can tell that she's like a, she's a person who's always been the life of the party. People have always been you know like magnetized to her but at the same time she's very unaware of her charm like she's unaware of how great she actually is you can tell that this season she's just sort of existing this show was set up for paris to be the star paris is the hot one the camera's always panning up and down her body and nicole does kind of get this like it's almost like a melissa mccarthy effort, uh, edit
0: Yeah. And, you know, I never thought of this before either, but you saying that makes me think of it is it also must have been so difficult for her to having come out of rehab to be like jolted out of rehab. And then also having had gained, I think she said, has said at some point, it was like, she gained like 30 or 40 pounds or something or 20 to 30 pounds. Mm -hmm. And just For me personally I can totally imagine how self-conscious I would feel and Mm -hmm. next to Paris when it's like this is supposed to be my big debut and I'm not really like in the body that I'm used to Mm -hmm. and and I'm just supposed to be playing the Ethel to this Lucy when really I'm Lucy
1: exactly and the audience wasn't aware at that point that Nicole would be the star so like that's another thing that makes the season so interesting is like your program to want to watch Paris because she's the yeah. big star, but you can't take your eyes off of Nicole, even though you don't even know who the fuck she is at that, at that point, she's just so magnetic. Like she steals the show. And you can tell that at the very beginning, of course, Paris also thought like, you know, this is my show. Mm -hmm. Everybody's here for me. But at a certain point you do see Paris and it's only like a few episodes into the first season. You do see Paris succumb to the idea that like, well, this is Nicole's the actual star. I am sort of here to like be the straight man to her whole thing.
0: And I think that is where Paris would be more comfortable anyway. I wonder if at on some level it was a relief to her. Mm-hmm. That, that she could maybe just sit back and let their true friendship play out. Because yes. every account of Paris, and she says this about herself, but I've read it just in a million things, that you know she doesn't have a magnetic personality. She's incredibly shy. Mm-hmm. So for her to have to actually carry the show, I think it was much easier for her to have Nicole there. And Nicole tease it up and knocks it down, and then Paris reacts.
1: That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. She does tee it up, and she gets way more comfortable teeing it up to the point that, like, in later seasons, Paris just basically follows behind her.
0: Yeah. She (laughs) completely hangs back and just... And I think that is why every subsequent Paris Hilton reality show has never worked, because she has never paired herself with a a real star a real magnetic personality like Nicole and instead she has always positioned herself as the top person and people are reacting to her but there's very little to react to
1: there's nothing going on she's not funny she's not quick she's not I'm not listen I'm not going to say that. (laughs) I was going to say she's not smart. And I don't mean that in the sense that like, she's not smart, but I mean, she's not quick. She's not like a quick thinking, funny on the, on her feet person. She's not like a, it's almost like she's not, she's not like a TV ready person. She's just pretty. No,
0: she is not TV ready. And she, everything, all the moments in this new reality show, that I do like about her and they are very few and far between but they're these little asides like under her breath and that is how she's always been where it's always like a little a little thing here and there but she's mm-hmm. never putting herself forward as a star and being like I'm taking charge of this scene
1: yep That's and
0: Kathy true. in in the new show is like trying to be the Nicole yeah And I'm not interested. (laughs)
1: I'm not either. Like, girl, we get it. You had your little quips on the Housewives and your little moment and like you have catchphrases and shit now. But like, you know, I'm like, we're, Dara and I are not your demo. You are not catering to us because we see through all (laughs) of the shit. Like, and the other read, the other thing that I will say about season one The way that you know Paris is being herself during that season, no matter what she tells you, she's using her real voice the entire season. Yes. Can we talk about that?
0: That is another rewriting of history of like, oh, this was my fake, like, I have this fake baby voice and I've always, like, I've put this on, like, and I'm not really that person. It's like, no, you've been using your real voice when we first met you.
1: Yeah, like, that's complete bullshit. I do think she's uncomfortable. I think that Paris is uncomfortable with how deep her voice is.
0: Okay. Okay. I completely completely agree. And here's a follow-up to that that makes this click into place with me even more is I don't know if you've noticed, but in the cooking show and in her reality show, and I think just everywhere now, she has gloves on for everything Mm -hmm. and i think it is very much a um because she's aging and because she is so tall i think there's like a real um self-consciousness of like i have man hands yeah and it's like i have a man voice
1: yep and feet
0: and feet and i think she's very self-conscious of that and i also think it's interesting because in her documentary where they talk about how she was this tomboy Mm-hmm. uh when she was growing up and then it kind of got pushed on her to be feminine.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I wonder if that sort of plays into a um self-consciousness about masculine qualities that she has.
1: You know, it's really sad because I actually find Paris's real voice to be so um first of all, I always make the joke that's not actually a joke that it's the same octave as mine. <laughs> But everybody knows that that's not a joke.
0: <laughs> it's completely
1: true. <laughs> Which is like, it, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, but I actually find her real voice to be like really charming. Like I, I really like seeing Paris be herself. I, I, I really like her actual personality. And she's the last person to realize the reason she's famous is because we fell in love with her yeah. on this show and then she bamboozled us and became a cartoon after she became famous. But like the charm and the reason that Paris became like a pop culture phenomenon was this show.
0: Absolutely. And it, it makes so much sense to me that she was able to find that original spark with her real best friend. Mm-hmm. And it was truly her being herself before she was famous or when she was just getting famous i don't know i just i think if i could really consult her on her brand i would say you know yes we need to somehow keep all this swept under the rug all these cancelable offenses you have but you have to give even more of yourself or just stop doing it
1: yes or just stop
0: you can just stop. I don't think she enjoys it, is the thing.
1: I think that she looks miserable and extremely insecure.
0: At, ev- like, every moment. It's just, you truly don't want to be doing this. Yeah. I don't know what you want to be doing. I guess maybe being a veterinarian, probably. But, like, you don't have to keep doing this.
1: Well, okay, so now let's transition to season two, which, can I tell you why this is my favorite season?
0: Please, please.
1: Okay. This is my argument for season two. So at this particular point there, and I, 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 sort of feel like this about most things, most, most uh, television shows, albums. I like when people find their rhythm. Yes. I love an era of something where somebody has found their rhythm. They know the beats and during season two, they're famous. The show has done well. But they're, like, just famous enough for it to be fun. And it's not, like, the way that it becomes. So Paris is still sort of, like, this version of the old Paris. Just sort of heightened just enough. And it's perfect. Like, she's still using her real voice. But, like, she's also adopted the the, the Paris voice a little bit more. And it's, like, she's doing it enough that it's, like, charming. Yeah. Now, Nicole, on the other hand, has discovered at this point that she is the show yeah and I find that really empowering like when I watch the second season there's something about Nicole that just feels fucking unstoppable because she knows
0: she is such like a she has the snap crackle pop of the first season that Mm -hmm. raw talent but now there's a little smirk in her eye (laughs) of like oh, I know that I am the show, but Mm -hmm. I also know my role of, I'm still sort of catering to Paris in some ways, Mm. but I am the show.
1: Right, and there's power in that, you know?
0: There's so much power. And she also gets, you know, just the beginning of a glow up. She's not full glam Nicole yet. It's still a little raw, but Mm -hmm. she's putting herself together in a way that, isn't such a stark contrast to Paris like now suddenly we're a little more on even playing field
1: yes it's still they're both coming from a place of like LA trash Mm -hmm. but like in the best way and yeah there's something sort of interchangeable about their style but also distinctively theirs like in Mm -hmm. the first season they really do look like two girls who just bought a couple suitcases of like some 41 shirts
0: they look (laughs) i it's crazy that the whole conceit of the show is look at these rich girls um go to the country when it's like these two people look (laughs) so awful
1: (laughs) they couldn't look less rich
0: they couldn't look less rich you would think that someone would step in and be like, "Okay, we're going to kind of create a wardrobe for you because we cannot have you walking around with these ratty hair extensions." Right. Like we weren't <laughs> living in some era where like hair extensions were um just really at their their first iteration and like we didn't know how to figure them out. No, no, no. People were using hair extensions. We could <laughs> right. smooth, we could have brushed out those babies. <laughs>
1: the hair extensions of it all you
0: know what it is actually too one of the things that I personally love about the early 2000s that does not exist today is how women those two young women who were so much richer than me had so much more access than me as a podunk idiot in New Hampshire (laughs) like dressed exactly the same like, right. we looked equally poor.
1: <laughs> You're totally right. But, well, Because you know what's so great about it is that it feels, it feels, I mean, it, it is what they were, it feels so authentic that they're like styling and dressing themselves. Yes. And what they don't realize is that they're like building this sort of like iconic of the time, like they're building silhouettes and staple pieces and like they're just throwing shit on but like I don't know there's just something so charming about them styling themselves and and getting dressed in that rv and all their clothes being all over the place and like them coming out of that rv like having styled themselves I just think it's so funny I really
0: feel too that they are without a doubt the biggest influence of early 2000s fashion like I think it all all roads lead back to them because even when we have other like like I think of the girls next door which has such an early 2000s aesthetic Mm -hmm. but I also think it's incredibly 70s aesthetic
2: Mm. um Mm -hmm.
0: like 70s with a little extra like candy a little extra sugar attached yes the Simple Life Season 1, Season 2 fashion, it's different silhouettes. It is so uniquely early 2000s.
1: Right. Because it's like, it's it's tacky in a way that makes you feel like how did, the, like, it looks like they closed their eyes and got dressed, but everything is also yes. very like well thought out at the same time. It's like perfectly tacky, which is really hard. You know, it reminds me of like that Dolly Parton quote of like, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap
0: yes yes
1: it's like a perfect level of tackiness that's actually really hard to achieve
0: because yes because realistically if we looked at all the price tags on all the stuff they were wearing it was expensive exactly but it somehow looked cheap and it was and it was meant to it was looking <laughs> yeah. cheap on purpose
1: that's the point yeah <laughs> it's supposed to look gets supposed to look trashy that's why I always make it a point to say like I'm saying the word trashy as a compliment because that was the intention you know
0: one thing I would love to know and if there are any um scholars of fashion and costume design out there if if they have any insight on this like what about this time period um were why were we, what was happening in the zeitgeist in the history books
1: right.
0: that made us lean towards a low class aesthetic?
1: Right. Yeah. Like
0: that, that's specific. That's, that's, that is a reaction to something in our culture. And I, I'm not exactly sure what that is.
1: I 1000% agree with you. I remember I've said it on this podcast, like a million times that Um, One of the most interesting things I've ever read was that when we are having financial issues in this country, we start embracing, like, classic hillbilly culture. And, like, (laughs) (laughs) and you'll see shows like Honey Boo Boo become, you know, the most popular show in the country because we like to see people that are more poor than us on TV when we're poor. And there has to be some sort of cultural response to, like, why that was a thing like because I guess when you look at the 90s and the sort of like the the stuff that you picture in your head when you think of the 90s is like the drab sort of dark seriousness of it all
0: yes which I feel like must be a response to the 80s of opulence um and living beyond your means yeah so maybe maybe it went from fighting against the 80s to then going from going from the 90s of like gap uh you know mm. earth tones we were really falling into the gap in in the 90s <laughs> and and like tommy hilfiger and ralph lauren and then we tipped the scales from drab and boring to just like well we need some color but Let's go, I don't know, batshit insane. Let's go metallic. Let's go crazy and let's look.
1: Let's go from neutral to gutter. <laughs> and then be like, what do you think the future will look like? <laughs> let's 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 experiment through our clothes. Oh my god, we were all so obsessed with what
0: the future was. It'll be robotic dogs, metals. <laughs> <laughs> We really were all just like, oh, it's Y2K. Wow, this is officially the future. Let's yeah. uh, let's lean in. Let's be the Jetsons.
1: Yes, it is Jetsons fantasy. It's like everything in the future is metal. Everything's, you know, robots. We embrace robots. Like that's the future, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to selfishly ask you what episodes stand out for you with season one and two. Oh gosh.
0: I mean, I would say off the top of my head, the episode where, in season one, where Nicole, they they like sneak out to go hang out with these boys. And I feel like that is an incredibly raw episode where I believe it's one of the boys who lives in the house that they're living at. And they sneak out to go hang out with him and his friends who are kind of their age, but I think they're like a little younger in a way that's like questionable. Right. And they're making out with them um, in a way where it really feels like you're watching two girls sneak out of the house. It's Two girls sneaking out of summer camp or something, like two camp counselors and going <laughs> buck wild. Um, and, but then it seems like everyone's having fun and then all of a sudden devil nicole comes out and she takes like a jug of bleach and pours it all over the pool table in this bar and it's kind of a record scratch moment where everyone is like what are you doing and i think even paris is like nicole stop yeah yeah my purse is in here (laughs) Yes, I forgot it. That's that's what makes her do it. Oh my god, she like loses her purse.
1: She thinks that some, which like real talk, babe and Altus, you probably dig your purse too. Oh, like girl, yeah, come yeah on. you
0: can't. You can't. This isn't you know lay do or hide or like lax where you can just throw your your clutch on the bottle service table <laughs> like,
1: you left your Dior like fucking Gwen Stefani LAMB bag like next to a janitor's closet like girl this, on. this
0: this is what happens baby doll
1: <laughs> that is so iconic like that moment even when I watch it now it makes my stomach really tight you know what I mean it is truly scary <laughs> yeah like Nicole's scary when she's drunk
0: and the, yeah. But yeah, I think that's what, that's my number one episode. I guess, of course, them sticking their hands um in a cows, but that <laughs> how could you not mention that that episode?
1: Yeah, that's like that episode is so great because it's like it's such an incredible introduction for the ride that you're gonna be on, because it's yes. like the first episode. So to see them go straight to a job where like, this isn't a joke, like they actually are doing all the things and like, to also see Nicole be so game for it, like it really sets up their dynamic, you know?
0: Yeah. She, that is the other important part of their dynamic is how game Nicole is, which I think so to go backwards a bit, if everybody doesn't know, originally nicole was not supposed to be in the show with her it was supposed to be uh nikki hilton
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and then nikki didn't want to do it and then it was supposed to be rod stewart's daughter kimberly stewart and the producers were like no we don't want her so then they brought in nicole
1: thank god can you imagine
0: and it really is if if that didn't happen it wouldn't have I don't think there would have been a season two.
1: Oh, for sure. Not at all. Oh my God. Nikki Hilton. And, oh. and can you can you imagine Nikki and Paris
0: in a situation where Nikki's not going to shove her arm, her entire arm from from tip to shoulder into the anal cavity of a cow? Like, Nikki's not going to do that. And if Nikki doesn't do it, Paris isn't going to do it.
1: Well, that's the thing is, like, I think, above all things, Nicole gave the show its identity. Mm-hmm. Like, Paris had much less involvement in that. and like, creating the show's sort of spirit. Like, what yes. it is. These mischievous girls that, like, get into trouble and they go to their jobs and then they get fired. I don't believe that was the format. Like, I really actually think... Just based on those first couple episodes, you could tell that they like wanted them to actually like do these jobs, you know? Yeah. Like, I think Nicole really helped kind of create what the like the vibe of what the show became.
0: I think you're completely right. I think they imagined that the show was supposed to be two two rich girls who are just making asides like, oh, I I don't know how to type. How do you spell this? Exactly. Just being like these girls are dumb and they and they're like, ew, I messed up my nails. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be a lot of ew, I I I broke a nail.
2: hmm Exactly.
0: And, and Nicole brought the real interesting and unexpected point of view of no these are rich crazy
1: people right and like who would have thought you know Nicole would be it's like this wasn't supposed to be a show where one of the girls would so happily and joyfully shove her hand inside the rectum of a cow and then chase her friend and actually like would have touched her face with it like that wasn't the show (laughs) But it became the show, and thank God, you know?
0: It, yeah, it, it also, I feel like it was really underestimating what young women could be like. I think they, they really did think it would be, oh, I'll just, I will show up to work, and I'll kind of whine about it and be annoying.
2: Mm-hmm. I think
0: they really just thought it would be like, oh, they'll be annoyed with everything. They were not expecting that they would get in there yep. and create complete and utter havoc but like be game to try everything and just yeah. shake things up
1: I agree and I feel like in that first season you do see a lot of like as far as Paris goes you see a lot of moments that like we'll never get just generally we'll never see Paris be that vulnerable on camera again like ever obviously no um and you get some moments that like really make her feel like this fully realized human being and it's been so long since she's felt like a real human and there's a moment that sticks out to me specifically where first of all I think them staying with the same family the whole time like really added like an element of like it, it made it grounded them in a way that made them feel human by the end of the show they're like bonded to this family they're bonded to Braxton the kid like yeah and it feels very genuine, and there's a moment where, so there's an episode where they steal a birdhouse, and they charge it to, like, the family's, uh, like, um, what do they call that tab? Like, yeah, yeah. Something. Like,
0: like their Home Depot tab, <laughs>
1: like the co-op grocery store's tab, uh, but they, so they steal this birdhouse from the co-op, and this guy comes looking for it and he like genuinely wants to take it back or like have but they don't have money and Paris like gives this guy her credit card number and she's like just like tell him to charge whatever he wants like I don't want to take their their birdhouse way that we gave them for Mother's Day and it's like very real
0: oh my god I totally forgot about that scene and she is so it does feel like she's being incredibly genuine about it
1: yeah yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Nicole's like,
0: it's Curly, I'm sick. <laughs> you know, the other thing about Nicole that I just really feel like we have to let the people know so we can finally give her the respect she deserves is she did have so many, not catchphrases, but just repeatable moments. Oh. And we yeah there's the that's hot but like that's so boring right now and it it got boring really fast right but the way Nicole could be a cartoon character and be really silly and have her little asides like hey bitch
1: like yeah (laughs) totally I'm a big fan of do you love it and loves it because uh, <laughs> that's totally it and, and if you watch the show enough you do realize that these are nicole's catchphrases
0: they absolutely are they so come from her they they she drops into these voices so naturally yeah it also here's another thing why is Sunasa not all over tiktok <laughs> i don't no, I don't know. It's like you kids, you're sleeping. I you're know. Sleeping.
1: It's like we get it. You found a pair of low rise jeans at the thrift store in a thong. That part you've got covered. Now we let's move it.
0: on. A thought to me is like that <laughs> is a trending sound in yes. and of itself. It, it is just like it's a gimme. It really is a
1: gimme. <laughs> it's true. Speaking of San okay, so, like, with the second season being my favorite, there are so many episodes that stick out. But if I had to pick, like, a small portion, when they work at that goddamn baseball diamond, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is, like, some real Emmy-worthy reality television.
0: You know, I really have to revisit the second season because... It, for a while, it was kind of hard to come by wa- rewatching some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've rewatched the first season and some of like, I feel like it was like the fourth season because that was streaming somewhere a few years ago when s- other stuff wasn't. But I really need to revisit the second season.
1: I actually think that if you did, it would fully, especially after this conversation, I think you would completely for you, blow the first season out of, out of the water.
0: I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it would.
1: Because it's like, you know in, uh, in Scream when Randy talks about the rules for the second movie? Yes. <laughs> like, it follows the rules in the sense that, like, it's just, it's bigger and it's better. Like, it's a bigger budget. They've made some money. The girls are, you know, more game and, like, down for whatever, but they're still themselves. And the thing that, like, I think, makes it so great is that they establish this thing that i find really charming that like first of all they're in this this pink truck that becomes iconic and their yes their rv and i love that paris always drives because nicole can't <laughs> i as just if, love that
0: as if nicole like grew up in new york city and never needed to no she grew up in like the city of Los Angeles where you need a car.
1: And like Paris is like kind of a scary driver. <laughs> and
0: then also, isn't that the season where Paris gets kicked by a horse? Yes. <laughs> it went too fast. What fast.
1: <laughs> I'll never forget her coming out of the hospital with like, Literally, I mean, because we had nothing to do at the time. Like, our news our news cycle was so fucked because we were so bored for the most part. So Paris falling off of a fucking horse in it was Wyoming huge. was, like, the biggest news of the entire year. <laughs> I love when she comes out of the hospital. There's, like, nine million reporters. And she's like, they said that there's no internal bleeding. I've been riding my entire life. The horse went too fast. And... It kicked me off. I don't know why. And they're, they're like, Paris, 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 do you think they'll survive? Will you ride again? Paris, will you ride again? You
0: have such a great Paris impression. You really have the inflection down.
1: Because we have the same voice, Dara. I'm telling you. I don't even Oh my God, I, g- I guess you're right. Wow,
0: that's so weird. Oh, here's another funny thing. Speaking of the horse, is the last episode I watched of her new reality show, she does equine therapy. Oh God! With Kathy, it's like Kathy is just like I've decided I'm going to acknowledge your trauma at equine therapy. Oh my God! with With a a therapist that was referred to me by Patricia Arquette. (laughs) And then they go to this stable, and Paris seems so uncomfortable around these horses. Like she is just like, oh hey, horse. Like she does not want to touch it. It's she seems like really freaked out. And I'm like, now I realize, oh, she
1: she had her ribs cracked by a horse. Oh shit. Oh my God. Holy fuck. I'm like crying. <laughs> Ugh. Like there's this one moment where
0: the a horse is like slightly behind her and neighs, <laughs> and, and she's like, ah.
1: Well, you know, the funny thing is, like, for somebody who loves animals, they always hurt her. Um, like, in the in the second season, she almost gets attacked by so many animals. And it's specifically her. It's never Nicole. Like, uh, <laughs> there's a part of the end of the episode, where, or the end of the season, where they, they're, like, um, they're, like, herding cattle. And a bull tries to pierce her stomach. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> but no yeah the the second season is just so lived in and just so like um I also love to lived like
0: lived in I love that
1: you know what I mean it just feels like oh feels like warm it's like oh this is exactly everybody is like where they should be you know yes yes um I love the nudist colony episode Caliente. is that
0: is that season two
1: yeah it's when they uh
0: <laughs> oh I vividly remember that one
1: yeah <laughs> you know and this the smiley faces have like eyelashes for the girls for like the yeah. naked people
0: <laughs> yes oh my god for some reason I thought that was like season four or season three or something
1: no I'm oh, dying my... to go to Caliente
0: where was that I feel <laughs> like
1: hmm. I don't remember I don't remember I just remember them walking through that trailer park and like it was the first time I had seen like the inside of a trailer park as a kid or like a young person, and having the same sort of like, <laughs> when when uh, when Nicole says like, "Is this a real trailer park?" and she goes, "Yeah," she's like, "What else would it be?" Like, <laughs> you know,
0: there, there, that makes me think too of I, there are a lot of moments where, even though uh, Nicole is often seemingly like the smarter one or the more with it one there's a lot of moments where Paris is like Nicole what are you talking about yeah like yeah be normal
1: (laughs) exactly when Nicole's trolling sometimes Paris can't stand to be a part of the bit you know she's like no Nicole I can't (laughs) um now during season three something interesting happens and I wanted to talk to you, obviously, we have to talk about the transition of Nicole Ritchie. Oh. Okay. Oh, Something my God. very interesting happens with Nicole where she meets, as you described
2: her earlier, a swindly <laughs> hands lady. <laughs>
1: named Rachel Zoe, or as uh, Perez Hilton used to call her, Prune Face.
0: Oh, so mean. So
1: mean. Um. Oh she repackages herself for the third season and it really like you know you had to be there but it created a bit of an uproar
0: I mean she really changed seemingly overnight Mm -hmm. and you know for the better yeah but not really because I maybe for Nicole herself for the better but I of course watching a show like that I want her to look like a candy coated cartoon
1: right I want yellow red blue pink extensions
0: I don't want an entire forearm's worth of bangle bracelets
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes so this is our introduction into boho Nicole and I would say that this is probably the most interesting transitional phase because She's not fully where she's gonna be yet. And she's not completely out of where she was. She's sort of in between. Like she's discovered taste. Yeah. Or something. And, you know, she's not like the full fashionista yet. She's also not emaciated. No. That's the other thing is like she doesn't become emaciated, Nicole. She doesn't become fashion, Nicole, until the fourth season but like she's this sort of version of what she'll become I guess.
0: It is interesting going through all of this how she does make this transition into fashion Nicole and fashion Nicole is still there to this day but then we also still have um actress Nicole a a comedian Lucille Ball Nicole Mm, mm -hmm. and she is since The Simple Life has dabbled in that like being on a an actual comedy show
2: Mm
0: -hmm. being on an actual sitcom it i'm surprised that she's kind of her persona has always splintered into different things there was also a musician nicole
1: oh dandelion
0: dandelion baby
1: (laughs) no you're right she's always been she's always sort of not known exactly what she wants to do. Yeah. But with fashion being the kind of base at which she operates, I guess. Um but yeah, and I guess the other interesting thing specifically about like season three, because season three feels like a fee, it's like it's its own thing. Like it's it's a transition season of this show where like you said, they definitely changed production companies and it's much more slapstick. It's less interested in having like serious moments or whatever. It's just funny.
0: It becomes a real sitcom in a way where it feels like everything is kind of on some level scripted. Mm -hmm. Like it's really, you can really feel like um, the producers are saying, we're going here. We're going there. This is, these are the shots we're getting. And at this point, they have enough experience creating the show that they can be like, get in, get out. I know what we need, Um, like hit, hit your mark. And we're not, um, we don't need to waste time having a more um, authentic conversation or moments between us. It's more about just like getting in and out with the shot.
1: Right. There's a sort of unapologeticness to it where it's like, this is just fun and it's silly and camp. And yeah. You know, they're so like the concept is for any because I know like the third season a lot of people haven't seen, but the they're on this like Greyhound bus that's taking them around like the New York, New Jersey area. And they are staying at people's houses. And there's also an understanding, I feel like that the people who signed up to be a part of it. Um, the families the businesses that they enter because they're interns so the companies that they intern at there's this understanding that like they're gonna come and be crazy and do you know fun silly things and everybody working in the office like don't mess around with them too much just let them do whatever they want to do and you know they'll be done tomorrow
0: and and i do think that does take a little bit of the magic out of it because it really I do really think that you get the sense of just let them do their thing, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: make sure all important documents are like not in the room with them because they (laughs) might light them on fire or something.
1: (laughs) Right. Totally.
0: But just, you know, hands off, let them go and not like uh, you're in this knowing exactly what you're getting. So any sort of reaction is not necessarily going to be super authentic it's just meant to be like a sitcom
1: right and they're very famous now very famous they're very very famous in some ways I would say I would say so too they're like at the height of their you know fame and they also are like it's like the people are because they are so famous they're just sort of being observed Yes. Whereas like in the first couple seasons, people would really not have any problem getting dirty with them and grabbing their wrists and pulling them into whatever and yelling at them in their faces and whatever. Now they're famous and, you know, people are staring at them everywhere they go. Um, And I wouldn't say that they're phoning it in. I would say that they're both still very much engaged, but there's a sort of like, we know the formula now. So we just come in and we do our thing and I'm Nicole, I'm silly and crazy, and I'll say a bunch of wacky stuff and go home. And Paris is like, and I'll come in and say that's hot and pose because I'm Paris Hilton now, and that's it.
0: And I also wonder, too um, timeline wise, so the next season is that that's when their feud kind of happens. It, season four is when they shoot separately, right? Or is that season yeah. five? I mean,
1: season it's four. four. Yeah.
0: I think it's four. So when they're shooting this thing, this season three, we're inching up on them saying we are no longer friends. And I do wonder, you know, they're still working together, but in that way where friendships don't just splinter overnight because of one situation, it's like a bunch of things stacking on top of each other. And then one straw kind of breaks the camel's back Right. I I wonder how much of this is now we're in season three we've already now we're dealing with like each other's fame and Mm -hmm. how much of this is like let's get in get the shot I will we will give the people what they want but like let's get out of this as quickly as possible so we can go do our own thing.
1: Yeah. That's the sad thing is like, again, you had to be there, but the impact of Nicole and and Paris's divorce was like really painful.
0: Oh my God. It, it was groundbreaking. It was earth shattering. It Mm -hmm. was, it was such a part of our lives. Like Paris getting kicked with by a horse we had so little going on <laughs> to occupy us.
2: Our
0: our social media was simply my space. Right. <laughs> which you couldn't that did not occupy enough time. Mm-mm. So this was this was the only thing breaking up the monotony of a day, of a school day. And it was huge.
1: It was major. Especially like because the weird thing was, like, it was playing out as this, like, narrative on the show <laughs> that they yes. had come up with, like, as, as you put it, like, on the, the sitcom. And then in real life, it was, like, this other thing, but it was a real fight. It just had to be, like, written into the show because they wouldn't film together. So they wrote this weird, like, telenovela story around their actual fight. And that was so odd.
0: Yeah, because they refused to ever really contextualize what was going on with them. So they had, and it was the biggest speculation. Everybody had their theories, but they refused to touch on it. So they had to just completely write a a little telenovela. Yeah.
1: And when you watch the, like, um, I've seen promos, like E! promos and stuff for, the upcoming season on YouTube and it's hilarious that we were eating this, sh- this shit up. Cause it's so it's scripted in a way that's honestly insulting to adults.
0: Yes. <laughs> it, it's scripted in a way that truly could not happen today, except for, I would say maybe it. it's only a few steps above the Hills reboot. And I think it's why the Hills reboot didn't work. Right. Because it was so, so heavily scripted that it was embarrassing. This is, this part of The Simple Life was beyond that.
1: Yeah, it was full on, like, stage production, acting. I mean, it was, like, cut, let's refilm that kind of game. Like, it was really, yeah. really, really acted out. Um, Horrible. I mean, I, my Simple Life viewing pretty much stops at season three.
0: Mine too, because at season, season three, was when it switched networks, right?
1: Mm. Yeah, you're right. It went to E.
0: And I don't know, you know, E has created some some good things in their in their oeuvre, but mostly I, I don't feel like E like really knocks it out of the park when it comes to Mm-mm. my reality television programming.
1: No shade to the e-girls.
0: <laughs> no shade to the e-girls, but just... I don't think you're getting that authentic drama from you know, from ryan seacrest and his cohorts
1: they took an incredible show with an amazing concept and just fucking butchered it to death
0: butchered it
1: they killed it i mean i cannot believe that a room full of people sat around and watched that and were like yeah this will be great
0: it's like oh that this is what the people are seeing when they watch this and yes. it's like no, no 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 we're not that this is not what we're seeing we saw something completely different and you're not watching it with the same eyes. You think you are, but you're not.
1: Right, Exactly. And when you hear, so just know, please hear this. If you haven't heard anything this episode, please hear this. Just know that when Paris Hilton refers to her Simple Life quote character, this is what she's talking about. Yeah. She's not really talking about the first season.
0: No, she is talking about whatever she created And I don't know, Was who got their hands on her? What happened that pushed her to transition into this completely made up character?
1: I don't know. I mean, it's really, it's sad watching her personality over time just drip and drip and drip and drip until there's nothing left. Like by the time the fourth season comes, she really is just like a posing robot there's nothing going on she's nothing interesting to say at all it's just like why are you how are you even being asked to be on tv
0: it makes me wonder um what it's like when nicole and paris are together like do they ever really see each other like i know that nicole went to her wedding um and there's a moment that was captured where you know they're talking to each other at the wedding and it seems like two people who don't know each other at all
1: yeah for just sure. being
0: very cordial like hey oh my god this is so beautiful okay bye yes.
1: it gives very much like that thing of when you see like a high school friend that you were extremely close to but not anymore mm-hmm. and there is a shorthand of course there's a there's a, a certain level of comfort there but like it's an uncomfortable comfort. It's like, we used to be so comfortable that I could completely just be myself with you. And I can't, but I kind of can, you know, a little bit.
0: Yeah. And I also feel that Nicole is someone, and and I think this is one of the reasons why she's slightly forgotten in the annals of history, is she really evolved past the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And not just the time period, but maturity-wise, she, I feel like she is so normal. Yep. Whereas all of these other people that are kind of getting their resurgence are still so firmly stuck in the early 2000s.
1: Yeah, in a really dark way.
0: In a really dark way. And I i hope that, that we're about to get a Lindsay lohan that has evolved Mm. and maybe we'll we'll see her as someone who's matured and you know stepped away to dubai and now is coming back to do her hallmark movies and we get to see a different version yeah of her but as of right now she is still so firmly stuck in people's consciousness as early 2000s same with uh paris that I I can see why kids don't look at Nicole and think
1: early 2000s. Like, she just is kind of doing her own thing. Right. And she's learned how to navigate fame in a different way. Like, I don't think Lindsay and Paris know how to be famous. And, like, Paris is obviously being instructed and told things that she should and shouldn't do next. And, you know, I don't think that she's making career decisions based on, like, her spirit. Um, No. But Lindsay is a good example of like somebody who was just really good at a different kind of news cycle, you know, like Lindsay's not good at like Instagram and stuff, Like she's not. She's, no. She was really, really masterful at a slow tabloid news cycle where you say things to the press and then they sort of linger for a week and you, you know, the way that you're famous is through being photographed and, being outside like she's not good at like instagram live you know what I mean yeah
0: yeah she's still it's very much like um as if um during the early 2000s once she or like early the early 2010s when she kind of when the door slammed in her face Mm -hmm. it feels like she was cryogenically frozen and then in 2022 she Austin powered herself and <laughs> she thawed, and now she has to learn all of this stuff. And she was not growing and a part of this and learning about this stuff as it was happening. Yep. So now it's same with Brittany, I would say.
1: Yes. I was literally just thinking that.
0: But Paris has been someone who's been able to grow with it. The only problem is, is that she does not show her authentic self in these things.
1: Speaking of, let's talk about the fact, let's finish this up by talking about the fact that, okay, so everybody credits Paris as, you know, creating this brand and she's created this image and she's a lifestyle brand and it's in <laughs> ma- malls in asia and she has stores that sell her cheap, you know, made in china bullshit that you can also find at TJ Maxx on the floor. Um <laughs> but you know, she gets all this credit for creating this like iconic brand. And Nicole gets no credit at all for seeing the bigger picture years before Paris where she was like I need to start the fact that Nicole partnered with Rachel Zoe to create a new image for herself and to create new like imagery and, and and really shove it in people's minds and to create iconic you know you think of certain things you think of big giant sunglasses a swoop bang like her like the Balenciaga bags like that classic Nicole Richie early two thousand style like she branded herself not as like a tackball the way Paris did where she just put her name on enough shit that now she has a bunch of alleged products all over the place. Nicole positioned herself at like an Olsen twin fashion level moment. Like House of Harlow was like serious.
0: Yeah. You know, I think, I don't want to say that It's just that she's smarter than Paris because I do, you know, I don't want to say anyone's not intelligent. And I think that Paris has created something for herself. And I think she did that all on her own for the most part. Yeah. But there is a more worldly intelligence to Nicole. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if maybe that comes from growing up with a truly famous person Mm. oh yeah uh like because the other thing is too is with Paris like there's such a tacky quality to Paris right and such a new money vibe to Paris um where and I think Kathy really tries to purport herself as this old money broad but she's not she did not grow up with money um her and her sisters had to fight tooth and nail to you know marry these men to get into this next stage of their lives
2: Mm
0: -hmm. and the the money is also kind of when she was growing up questionable you know there wasn't some huge hilton fortune that that the way they talked about it, like, oh, like Paris will be so, so rich. Like all of Paris's money is her own money because there is no inheritance. Right. Um, But with Nicole, Nicole was real money um, and like respected money from an artist. And also her mom, I think, was kind of like a very elegant woman. Um, Elegant and like creative Mm -hmm. in her own right. And I maybe it comes from like being raised in that kind of creativity and seeing the bigger picture, not just of fame for fame's sake, but the bigger picture of what do I want to say? What do I really want to what do I really want to make as my legacy rather than just how do we kick the can to continue to stay famous.
1: And that's exactly your, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head because that's exactly what Paris has been doing is kicking the can for, you know, the better part of a decade. And she's lucky, like just recently, that it just so happens to have stuck.
0: Yeah. And and it, I think really that has, it's kind of luck for her at this
1: point. Totally. That- it's Totally fallen into it.
0: It's completely fallen into it. And it. she was just- in her own way she was kind of cryogenically frozen where she was able to be thawed out in her juicy track suit and it's like oh no we care about this again you're good to go
1: yep yeah yeah but if
0: if we <laughs> never returned back to this point she she would be irrelevant still
1: it's true and I also think that there's something really interesting I mean we could do an entire entirely separate podcast on the fact that Nicole, of course, Nicole was rebranded and she was smart enough to reach out to people that she thought would help, you know, push her into this next phase of her life. But the interesting thing about Nicole versus other people who were styled or continue to be styled or whatever is that there is something about Nicole's rebrand that felt authentic, even though it wasn't necessarily her at the forefront of it. Like, it felt like Rachel Zoe had tapped into something in Nicole, and like that's interesting because it's still Nicole's eye. Like it was just this beautiful partnership where she almost discovered that she liked this sort of sixties vintage, sixties and seventies vintage styling through Nicole Richie or through Rachel Zoe. You
0: know what I think it is actually. Um, I think we kind of forget how young. Nicole was um in the first and second seasons of the show mm-hmm. and she was a, a young woman who um was probably struggling with her identity as being you know adopted biracial mm-hmm. in in this community of rich people where you know she also had her best friend Paris like using the n-word around her and, exactly And so like struggling with who am I? What's my identity? And in those first, especially the first season, she's dressing a lot like Paris. Yep. And Paris never gets out of that. I mean, she does, like she's evolved her style, but like it still feels very much, that style feels very Paris and that's who she is. Yeah. I think maybe with Nicole then meeting Rachel, who was in her 30s, um having like more of a big sister who she can kind of i don't know discover who she actually is yep with a mentor instead of with a peer where she kind of has to just be the sidekick or who 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 am i in relationship to paris not who am i period
1: that's exactly what it is that's you just fucking you just literally solved a Rubik's cube that I've been twisting around since I was in high school. But yeah, (laughs) that's what it is. Like she probably was like, you know what I actually really like, Rachel? is like the 60s. I think that it's really cool. And I would love to look like this, you know? Like this is what I see in my head.
0: Yes, I can totally see that. And that's also probably why their breakup was kind of, explosive it wasn't just like I'm not I don't feel like working with her anymore it it was the breakup of you know people who have real feelings for each other so I mm-hmm. feel like it was a, a transformative experience for her where Rachel shepherded her and helped her find her own voice
1: it's completely true it's it's such an in, like that is god I could do an entire 12-hour series on the fucking styling of Rachel Zoe.
0: Rachel Zoe. Oh my <laughs> God. I she there that is another, I feel like untapped mind that nobody really knows about. Like how how important she was.
1: Right. Like just the fact that people don't really grasp that she was determining our trends all of them, like all of them, she was the at the forefront, like just deciding what was in style. Everything that Rachel Zoe liked was just what was in style.
0: And I was like absolutely suckling at the teat of Zoe. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I just t-shirts hanging off my shoulders, bangles to the elbows, an enormous bag. I mean, basically the aesthetic was, um, honey I shrunk the low hand like it, it, was, <laughs> it was just like like oh I, I was a size 10 and then I was shrunk to a size three or a size two and, but I didn't change my clothes
1: right <laughs> yeah the clothes are the same style and same size I belted them I put a little belt on the bottom And uh, and you're
0: always like carrying around the absolute biggest bag possible <laughs> I don't know if I have I told you this story where I um I bought a Juicy Couture diaper bag thinking it was a purse. Shut the fuck up.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh my God, were there little compartments in it for like diaper rash? (laughs) Yes.
0: So I I was at a Juicy Couture outlet and I saw this bag (laughs) and I was like, oh my God, the price is so great. I'm getting it, it's so cute and to me it seemed like yeah it's just like a great enormous bag like we all have and then I got it home and it was like it had like onesies in it and like little compartments and I was like oh
1: oh my god I am it like sings a (laughs) lullaby when you open it
0: It like has like a little like binky pacifier (laughs) holder and I was like my mom's like you're an idiot (laughs)
1: You're like, it still holds stuff.
0: Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. I just won't show anyone the compartments (laughs) for the bottles. I'll put like Four Loco in there. How about that?
1: (laughs) That is so funny. No, yeah. The giant bags, 12 coffees, your Blackberry. And you know what? It's the, it's what I actually, I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but I actually think that this is like that 2000, I would say like what, 2005 to like 2008, Mm. it's like that that lost boho yes time period where like it's a forgotten time of the decade because when young people think about the early 2000s they they instinctively go straight to y2k
0: yeah and i think you're completely right because when i look back on it that i i would even grant you up to 2009 2010 totally um where I feel like it was the Rachel Zoe effect was reacting, um, and pushing back on the colorful kind of season one, season two, simple life, the, the juicy couture, the, um, track suits. It was, we're going to go boho. We're going to have gladiator sandals. Um, the, the colors were darker. It was more about like blacks and steels and grays, uh, dark greens.
1: It's so true, and it. I feel like it was also fighting against the MySpace of it all. Yes. So it's like you had this, and like where this is going to get so meta. You guys, hopefully, <laughs> buckle down. But I'm about to say, I'm about to say something that might take you a little over the edge. You had the boho thing fighting against the MySpace thing, and in my opinion, where it met in the middle was like Urban Outfitters. <gasps> yes. you know what I'm saying? Oh my
0: God. It it really truly met in the middle because that was so my store.
1: It During was like that, the hub.
0: It was the hub. And it had, it really had the mix of the colors, but also the boho. It, I mean, I guess it was just so commercial that it knew how to cater to everything.
1: Mm-hmm that's what it was yeah it just had its finger really on the pulse of like what was cool at the time like whatever I, w- I guess would be considered like the coolest easy place to shop now was like the kind of vibe urban outfitters and I would say like H&M oh had. my god
0: yeah H&M I, I will tell you every time I you know sneak into an H&M Because I I need a last minute clothing item. I'm always so disappointed of how just like basics, uh, boring, kind of nothing the clothing is when, when I was in college, oh my God, I could just spend hours there just trying on all, like it really did have much more of a pulse on the fashion of the time than it does now. Nice. Yeah.
1: I agree. I think it was a nice place where everybody kind of met in the middle. That's what yes. it was. Like you could be all these different things and and meet in the middle there. That was like a nice benchmark for like all of the trends. And as far as like the boho sort of like indie sleaze coming up like we're approaching that kind of gig like it just that was like oh, I love that style. I, that, I like that to me is like the most nostalgic. Like I'm not even as nostalgic for Y2K as I am personally, like that time period.
0: I agree. I find myself every once in a while gravitating towards like, oh, I want to, you know what I like, I'll picture myself thinking about a party I have to go to and I'll picture myself. and like, what do I want to wear? And I did this recently where I was Thinking, okay, I want to wear like an off the shoulder t shirt with like a really like lacy bralette underneath mm. and like a leather, like a leather skirt, a faux leather uh, skirt. And I go, wait, Dara, you can't wear that. That is just exactly what you would have worn <laughs> to a college party in 2009. Right. Like, you'll look like an idiot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Except not, though.
0: I maybe it would still work you know maybe it would
1: the kids maybe would we, love it we need to return to the Zoe effect <laughs> I would give anything I would give anything we have to do a future episode of Rachel Zoe obviously now
0: oh my god I actually have Rachel Zoe's book that I just saw at a Barnes and Noble in New Hampshire for five dollars so I I have to dip into that
1: I've been uh Re- well, I haven't been re watching it in its entirety, but I have been watching old Rachel Zoe clips because once you start, it's like really hard to stop. Like, she was so infectious, and I forgot how funny she was. Like, it was
0: so that was my favorite show, especially because she was like um, this like Jewess, yeah, uh, who like unabashedly Jewish, and also, you know, the way she talked,
1: and right. so droll. Yeah, I forgot that she was, like, um, super dramatic, too. <laughs> yes. About everything. So she would be, like, constantly thinking that she was dying and being, like, oh, my God, literally, like, my veins are, like, popping out of my neck. And, like, literally one of them's, like, bleeding down, like, my back, like, literally going down my shoe. And you'd be, like, they, mean, you, have a, you have a headache, you're fine.
0: <laughs> oh, and, I, and I loved her relationship with her husband for some reason. Like, I thought they were so good together. And, like, he was so supportive of her. But also, like, kept her grounded.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. And it was so fun to watch her, like, just be at the forefront of fashion. To be, like, it's Oscar night. Like, I'm so excited for Annie and Kate. (laughs) Because she's dressing, like, 90 women that are going. You remember at the Oscars when it was, like, how many women are dressed in Rachel Zoe? Oh, all of them. All of them.
0: It... that was also a golden era I feel like of um when I really used to get excited for award shows where you really felt like you had a backstage view of what was going on like you really felt the kinetic energy of being in a hotel room and we're bringing a hundred dresses and she's got a fitting and we got to get Anne Hathaway (laughs) Annie Annie
1: right totally and like especially if there was like a real big moment like you know, of, Anne Hath- like, Anne Hathaway hosting.
0: Oh, my God, yeah.
1: And knowing that Rachel was going to dress her, like, what was it, A, like, nine times or something, and her being, like, oh, my God, Annie's shutting it down, and then me in my mind being, like, Annie's shutting it down, and it's because of Rachel. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> oh, my God, Dara, this was, everything I hoped it would be like, honestly, I feel so, I think I lost eight pounds. I'm not kidding.
0: Me too. (laughs) I feel, I, you know, this is the very bearable lightness of being, you know, it's uh it feels so good.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, tell people where they can find you and your podcast. I can't fathom anybody listening doesn't know, but come on.
0: I know. I mean, dara it's me hi um you can follow my podcast um lay do you remember this uh, you can follow me on instagram um follow me on tiktok you can follow my personal account uh at dara lane um and yeah uh, you can binge all my uh girls next door season that uh, that I've got going or you can also if you haven't dipped into the archives I do have a Paris and Nicole storytelling episode and it's I I think it's back from 2017 or 2018 so if you haven't dipped into the archives uh, please do I don't even remember what I say in it but
1: you guys, Dara's storytelling episodes, I mean, they're all good. I love the interviews. I love all of them. But the storytelling episodes are obviously your bread and butter. And they're just so incredible. The clips, the editing, the quits. Thank you. And Thank you. Beyond. So yeah, please go listen.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I think I really get into um, the Nicole memoir, which also, you know, I'm going to plug that memoir. <laughs> go Yeah. Go on Amazon and get Nicole's memoir.
1: The Truth About Diamonds. It is so, the cover is beautiful. It'll look gorgeous on your coffee table. And it's a good book.
0: It is definitely a coffee table piece. It's a stunner. (laughs)
1: yeah isn't there like a whole there's like several sections in the book of photos right or am I making that up
0: yes yes there's some very beautiful glossy photos and they're not I think there's a couple of them are candids but they're mostly like these incredibly posed um, like her as a ballerina um, oh
1: yes Dora oh my god yes (gasps) and she when she
0: wrote this memoir she's in peak side bangs um oh era god. so you can enjoy that as well
1: yes like um side bangs giant sunglasses like and then maybe like a uh a, a, like a polka dot scarf or something wrapped around her bang
0: yes oh my god the 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 scarf are like framing the bangs yes that, that was always a look I aspired to
1: oh my god well I'm obsessed with you obviously I adore every single part of you. I love uh, you so much.
0: I love you. Uh.
1: <laughs> you guys, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Until next week, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McBee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at Dunzo Pod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew.